Cole Porter would be most envious, don't you, Steve? He would be, yes. His lyrics are amazing. Is, is Fiji on the Belton Road? Ah, oh, good point. Good point, have eh? They got, have, they got, have they got a narcotics <laughs> trade? <laughs> Welcome back. Steve was off last week. I right? was, you, yes. In the salt mines. I, I, was, I, I, I was in darkest Africa. Did you, did you, get, did you get purged? <laughs> no, it was all, all pretty damn civilised, actually. You actually were in darkest Africa. Was it good? It was It was fantastic. I mean, i just tell you one thing. I don't want to bore people with yeah, travel tales. He's going to get his slides but, but, out but, now. But, <laughs> you know, if you've got an hour to spare, I could bore you. But but the one thing that um, on the first day I did, I went to Johannesburg in yeah. South Africa, yeah. and I went to the um, Apartheid Museum, mm-hmm. Uh, which, incidentally, if you are going to South Africa, is on the must list to do. Oh, yeah. It is fantastically interesting. And, of course, what's most interesting about it is um, is not the outcome of the struggle against apartheid, but the early days. And you see all these people, including a rather chubby-looking Nelson Mandela in those days. Right. Uh, then they did clips from a BBC interview, and this, this bloke is... Um, saying to him, he was on the run at the time, this is Nelson Mandela was on the run at the time, and he's saying to him, do you think there are enough educated Africans to be able to, you know, assume uh, responsibility? Mandela, who could have given him a Tamarating. He yeah, just said rather to. him rather mildly. He said, "Well, we are the majority of the people in the country." And Next, <laughs> and he just handled it. And I thought that was in the really dark days when he was just before he was jailed and was likely um, to be. Um, well, he was likely to be jailed. He was Forever. literally on the run. Yeah, um, yeah. And I'm thinking, Christ, that man. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, we all know about him since he came out when he was much more easily accessible to the public obviously he was president of the republic etc mm. etc but even in those days he had it all together and you think in those days the whole tone of the interview was oh this man is vaguely ridiculous you know running around thinking he's going to overthrow a government and you just think never never Pride ever comes before well not only that but never ever believe that pl- political reality as you see it is forever and it sure did we're talking about i assume this interview was done in the 1960s, well, I don't assume it was done in the 1960s, and you know the apartheid regime was extremely strong. It looked infallible. It looked as though it would last forever. History has told us a different story. Two things come up there. One is in history, whenever you get a country or a place that was either colonised or it was, you know, powered by a, a, a white nation, and, the, and there's another. It's, these comments come up time oh you know in hong kong oh well, the chinese chappies and all that sort of stuff this condescending there's always that you know you know do you think the natives could really exactly could they manage on their own exactly. well actually the answer is yes oh will it be will it be all lightness and smoothness and you know no rockiness on the way well you know change of regimes are turbulent affairs that's that's what happens this brings up something that's very pertinent to today i mean to be perfectly honest steve none of us have a crystal ball we're not mystic meg we don't have esp etc etc so you know we are the greatest we are the strongest blah 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 well you don't actually know that you might be now you don't know that and you 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 never know i mean it's the golden rule of politics anybody who tells you 
that they know what's going to happen next year in politics is a total idiot. Anybody who tells you what's going to happen in the next decade is, is a total plonker. Yeah. Because there is no way it's of fact. knowing these yeah. things. The unpredictable and the unexpected is, in fact, the norm in politics. Yeah. I mean, things may come round in a cycle, but it, timing that cycle is what's impossible. Yeah. So, you know... Will the People's Republic of China, will the communist dictatorship be as strong as it is today in, in a decade's time? I, I don't know. I don't think really, anybody who claims that they do is, is an idiot, in my view. Really don't know. I've always had that thought about uh, 2047. I mean, purely yes. speculatively, there's no guarantee these guys are going to be in charge in 2047. That's just logic telling me that. Yeah. They may I, well be, but... It's entirely possible, but everything is entirely... That's the whole point. Everything is entirely possible. Yeah. So, you know, anyway. don't, don't, don't set out your plans too, too intensively for what you don't know. Is that why a lot of heavy regimes in history have really dug in just to try and overcompensate? Well, they and... always do. I mean, particularly when you have a one-party dictatorship. I mean, you look at the extraordinary sensitivity of of the Chinese Communist Party to any form of criticism. I mean, this sort of fetishistic elimination of any reference to Taiwan, as though Taiwan really is a threat to the mainland. I personally don't believe that is so, but, you know, they're saying, you know, you have to change the name of the consulates, you're not allowed to list it on, on airlines. I mean, this is a kind of, it's a kind of pettiness, but it also reflects an enormous uncomfortability in their own clothes. People who are comfortable in their own clothes don't get agitated they about, you know, I keep coming back to this thing about uh, something I happen to know about, about being British. You know, the British monarchy is a very well entrenched institution in Britain. The Republican movement is by far a minority movement in Britain. Yet there is enormous mocking of the Queen, of the royal family, even more of the, 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 the king to be, Prince Charles. And they go. He doesn't want. And they go. And they go. <laughs> uh, okay, mock away. Whatever. <laughs> and then we get onto the free speech thing. Yeah. Free speech is not absolute. It is not absolute. Uh, everybody knows that. But um, it's it's how you handle it. I mean, you know, it is not absolutely one person's right to insult another person and make derogatory remarks about them. But in the public arena. Mm. The, the 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 parameters of where free speech begins and ends should be way way wider than seems to be the level of toleration in Hong Kong at the moment. Yeah. So I think this is a worry. Talk about judges. Let's talk about judges. So should you have the free speech, as in um, the free speech of the MPC delegates standing to talk about judges or a particular judge as being a killer of young people? Even Carrie Lamb seemed to think this was going beyond the realms of uh, reasonable criticism. That's interesting. And we had... Well, it is interesting because she kept silent when there were, when there were racist comments about judges previously from the pro-Beijing camp who were upset over other judgments made. Um, these are all in relation, incidentally, to... Um, the aftermath of the Occupy movement. I was I was shocked that she was so silent about racist remarks about judges 
in in that round of I'm sure um, they I mean they have heard this but but that isn't the issue I totally no. understand yeah yeah but so now you have um the, the this man who's supposed to be a prominent upstanding citizen he's 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 an important person in the pro beijing camp talking in these terms about judges now as Yuk Singh said yesterday the former president of Lejco who of course is also a very prominent pro beijing figure said well you know uh, criticism of judges should be allowed. Well, I agree with that. I mean, judges are people, you know. There's, there's. But should it be personal? Should it be incendiary? Should you be describing judges as killers? I don't think so. I think that there is it not water off a duck's back. Well, it should be. It should be. But there is now a consistent pattern emerging that a judge is a good person as long as yeah, his, right. his or her judgment coincides with your own political opinion. Now, I think we've all seen, in numerous cases, judgments where you think, well, that's a bit iffy. But there is actually a process, it's called the Court of Final Appeal, yeah. to subject the views of judges to a final judgment, or at least to judicial review. To the rigours of judging. Yes, exactly. And there is a, I think, in the public arena, you can discuss a judgment. Of course you can. And you can say you think the judge, you know, erred on this way and erred on that way. But whether you want to extend it to this kind of inflammatory language, it undermines the judicial system. I mean, I am rarely pleased to see Carrie Lam actually standing up for one of Hong Kong's institutions. If she would do it more regularly, it would be a really good thing. But OK. Was this one just too too mouthy to not comment well, on? Well, you would think so. Although I, I thought racist um, uh, um, criticism of judges was, was pretty outrageous. That's been going on for years here. Well, it shouldn't be. I know. Um, you know, and, and you should have people outside of the judiciary in the government saying this, isn't, this, is, this is a level of criticism that we will not accept. Well, don't, don't forget, it's not usually a pro-establishment person that tests people on this free speech stuff, is it? It's true. Yeah. It is true, yes. So, like, they have to. So, yes. So, geese geese I, and ganders I mean, and stuff. I mean, let's see how far this goes. But, I mean, there has been... It is almost routine now. If you don't like a, a, a judgment, particularly on a political matter, and let's face it, these offences are criminal. The, the offences the judge was dealing with are in criminal in in nature, but they stem from a political event. Yeah. So it's in the political arena. Because it's in the political arena, it seems to be that in the pro-Beijing camp, they seem entitled to say, well, you know, unless you agree with us, you're an enemy of the people. Yeah. That's that phrase. So this guy kind of embarrassed them. I think he has. I think they, 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 they're sort of saying, we have other ways of dealing with this, like not appointing these judges again, mm. which is, is perhaps the more potent weapon that's available to, to the government. Because remember, although there is judicial independence in Hong Kong, the question of appointment of judges is not, a, is not done independently. It is done directly by the government. Yeah. I mean, it's not just the Hong Kong system. It's, it's, it's other systems have the same way of doing it. It's, it's interesting, though, that in, say, the British system, although ultimately it's the same, what happens is that ultimately the, the government does follow the advice of an independent body who says, you know, we'd like to see this person elevated to the bench, that person, etc., etc., here, I'm not so sure that's how it works. Mm. Well, it but, works in theory like that, but whether it works in practice like that, I don't know. Well, you said Carrie Lam mentioned something, but, I mean, OK, she had to. Was it a bit of lip service? Next, please. I don't know. Well, let's see. 
let's see i mean is is the i mean remember you had these very ugly scenes where people were demonstrating outside courts um calling judges white pigs calling oh, yeah, yeah. You, you know i mean this is very very ugly and um i'm sure that it didn't influence the way they were they were behaving inside the court but there you have an instance i'm I don't actually think people should be stopped from demonstrating outside courts. I think that, I've been that, doing that, it since... Yeah, you know. that falls into the, the arena of freedom of speech, freedom of expression. But, as I say, it's the nature of that protest that, that, that you know, it sends a shiver down the, down, down the shoulders. A bit further down the food chain, we've heard this stuff about policemen as well. And uh, I'd, I always remember reading an article from some sergeant from the Met, or he goes, well, if people don't swear at me, I haven't done my job properly. It's all in a day's work, <laughs> yeah, says this yeah. guy who's been out on demos yes. and stuff. Yeah, I mean, you know, um, it's true. I mean, the police force are at the blunt end. The, the whole point about policing is you're not dealing with Mr... Well, you are dealing with them, but, but at the sharp end, you're not dealing with Mr and Mrs Nice Citizen. No. <laughs> you know, you're dealing with criminals. Hello. Criminals. Uh, you're dealing with people who are engaged in public disorder. You're dealing in situations which are very fraught. Yeah. I mean, some of the things that police do, you know, for example, crowd control, it's not a criminal event. It's just, it's a mass event at which there is a lot of friction. Words are said. Yeah, words are said. <laughs> and, you know, um, I, I mean... I just, I just wonder, you know, you, 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 you get someone here saying, oh, but he swore at a police officer, and I'm thinking, you know, I, I've been a journalist for a long time, and, and one of the things that journalists do is they go to big events where oh, stuff yeah. happens. Swearing at police officers, in my experience, isn't exceptional. You should try going, <laughs> going to South Korea. They take bricks to the coffers and stuff. <laughs> well, you you should try going practically anywhere on the planet, and and this is what happens. So yeah. you know, calm down. The police are subject to criticism, and do you know what? Some of them aren't perfect. Steve Vines. Well, talking of pray for me, <laughs> I imagine Duncan Pescott over there at the um, West Kowloon Cultural District, or whatever it's called this week, um, he must be doing a bit of praying. I mean, this is, this is a bit of a dodgy old business going on there. We now hear that for 18 months, that's one eight months, the... Main contractor, Shin Chung, was in such financial difficulties that it couldn't pay its subcontractors. So the West Kowloon blah, blah, blah authority paid out, this isn't a small sum of money, $1.6 billion to these subcontractors to keep the show on the road. Now, they now claim that it wasn't, the public shouldn't have been told about this because get this uh, uh, in in the realm of weak excuses this one this one's way up there oh because Xinjiang is a public company and we couldn't really comment about its finances oh give me a break i mean the fact of the matter is that the company was in big trouble which is why it couldn't pay its subcontractors right. it was responsible for one of the biggest infrastructure projects in hong kong it clearly didn't have the financial means to carry on with that project incidentally they say in their defense that one of the reasons they were in, in such um, deep doo-doo was that, that, that the cultural authority had imposed on them 180,000 design changes, changes yeah, in in the course of the thing i mean that's i i don't know whether how major or minor they were i imagine a lot of the 180,000 were quite minor but it does cause delays but the fact of the matter is the level of 
public transparency about this public project, including you and my money, actually only you and my money, there was nobody else's money involved, it was public money, and this pathetic excuse that oh, we couldn't say anything because it's a public company, oh, give me a break. I mean, it, it's, it defies belief that that's the best they could come up with. So when um, um, Duncan Prescott, who's, who's in charge of this whole Farago, was hauled before LegCo, one of the LegCo members said to him, are you a liar? Because he had, you know, when talking about the project, he gave no indication this was going on. He goes, are you seriously asking me that? <laughs> I mean, you know, you can't put it all on one man's shoulders, and I don't do that. And I understand that he's under extreme political pressure from somebody called Carry Somebody or other. Um, but nonetheless, nonetheless, this thing is more or less a disaster. I don't know what it'd be like when it opens. What we do know is before it opens, and God knows when it's going to open because it's been delayed, delayed and delayed. I think they're now talking about 2020 as, as the opening time. Um, but hey let another year slip it won't matter in the great order of things but in the middle of all of this we now know that that the whole project has been subverted into a political mission ever since it was decided to put the palace museum's secondary treasures into into the project and it's very clear and i know this from uh, people associated with it that all of the priority now is on the Palace Museum part of the um, equation and the rest of it, you know, silly little bits of culture and concert halls and small, art exhibitions. You know, well, yeah, 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 carry on with all of that. But, hey, Palace Museum, that's number one. Number two priority, Palace Museum. Oh, and in case you're worried, number three priority, Palace Museum. So, and they got around the whole... Um, problem of financing that by saying to the jockey club uh give us the money and they go uh, uh, uh remember you've got a monopoly license from us give us the money so they said oh yeah tell you what we'll voluntarily give you the money for that but the fact of the matter is that in terms of resources and attention it takes attention away from the whole it was supposed to be it was planned as being a great center for the arts the visual arts, the you know the dramatic yeah, arts, etc., yeah. etc. Et et and now, yes, there will be all of that stuff. Well, not on the scale that was originally envisaged. Nothing like on the scale that was originally envisaged. But you know what really matters is the Palace Museum's secondary treasures. So, <laughs> what is it? I, when, tell, fill me in a little bit here. When people say, and I loosely quote, "Forget that, I'm going to Taiwan to see the real ones." Yes, well, <laughs> I, I, I've been to Taiwan to see the real ones. I mean, so so you've got three levels of treasures of the Palace Museum. Remember, after the, at the towards the end of the Civil War in China, yeah, the, the Guomindang, which was then still ruling China, um, and realised that they were going to be defeated, smuggled out all the best stuff, not all, but practically all Most the best the stuff. Best stuff to this extraordinary palace museum which is located just on the outskirts of Taipei City. But there was still enough left because it was, you know, it's a big, big collection. Oh, there yeah, was yeah, still yeah. enough left in Beijing for them to say, hey, this is the treasures of the palace museum and the palace museum was still there. And now we've got, you've got the big brother, you've got the first cousin and then you've got in Hong Kong 
third cousin, fourth cousin that's getting... Oh, you can have that. Oh, yeah, we don't really want that. Yeah, you can have that one. <laughs> oh, I'll tell you what, that's old. You have that as well. So, so, I mean, Hong Kong will be getting stuff, obviously, from the Palace Museum, because the whole point about these collections is that they can't actually display it all at one time. Certainly in Taipei, sure. they can't. I mean, it's extraordinary. They have all these side exhibitions, and you realise the depth of what they've actually got as opposed to what you can see. So in, in, in Beijing, they've got a bit less, but they've still got a lot. They've still got some to spare to send here. But does anybody in their half-right minds think that Beijing is going to say, we'll send all the good stuff down to Hong Kong and not leave it in Beijing? Of course they won't. Yeah. So, you know, there's nothing wrong with having um, a branch of the Palace Museum here. Nothing wrong with it Museum. at all. Yeah. But should it be the priority? I mean, you had a plan... To create a cultural hub. You had a plan to make it fabulous with all sorts of variety. That was, I, I thought, was the whole key to it. Mm. And now it's saying, yeah, 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 yeah. But can we just focus on this? Because that's what the bosses in Beijing want us to focus on. So yet again, something which isn't inherently political. You would have thought the arts, culture could be separated from politics. I know. It's stupid and it's naive to believe that. But yet again, it gets drawn into that vortex of political control and political correctness. So you've got that going on. You've got this ludicrous situation where you've had a contractor who patently cannot undertake the job and is now taken off the job. You've got all sorts of people interfering with how the job should be done, which is why there were all the design changes. It's not a... It's not what I call impressive. Hmm. Is, it, is it dangerous that this whole project, which, again, on paper looks great, concert hall, blah blah went wonderful, um, it's kind of been shifted into the, um, oh, whatever, uh, the, the, pub, the public going, oh, that, oh, what, what you know. Hmm. Well, I, 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 the, the excitement of the I buzz, no buzz. I can't think there could be very much excitement. And, of course, the, the fatal flaw in all of this is that it... it, 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 it derives from the bureaucrats mania from having everything in one place the whole beauty of cultural uh, events in my mind is you spread them around oh, yeah. you know you've got a you've got a perfectly decent um cultural center which is a, a complex of of, of um, concert halls in in chimsa choi you've got you've got city hall in central you've got another big theatre with actually very good um, facilities. Uh, yeah, yeah. All, th there's quite a lot of stuff. So why why only bureaucrats want it all in one place? It's not projects, as though, then. it's not as though if you're going to see a concert, you have to, on the same day, see an art museum. No, you don't. No, you, you go you, to a you concert. Don't, you don't. You're it doesn't work like out, that. Yeah, you? well, but anyway, it doesn't work like that, does yeah. it? I mean, your average concert lasts, what, two, two and a half hours with the intermission. Um, and you, you're not going to go, oh, I'll tell you what, there's an art museum next door. I think I'll go around that for a couple <laughs> of hours as well. It doesn't work like that. So there's no reason in logic why it should all be in the same place. Because every time you go to it's one of they these did it events. The South Bank in London, I suppose. Or but but that, but it's interesting you say that the South Bank in London is a very good example of how it could be done and isn't done here. So the South Bank in London essentially is a complex of a theatre, a cinema, and a concert hall. Full stop. Art galleries are all over the place. Yeah. Um, you know you've got lots of other 
places in London you can go and look at an exhibition. You well, yeah, can go yeah, to yeah. the theatre. Unfair comparison. It's an unfair comparison, but it, it 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 tells you that here the bureaucrats are so controlling and are so focused on my legacy project will be the West Kowloon Cultural Centre. I don't think anybody's adopted it as their legacy project this week. Mm. But, you know, in its in its conception, whoever thought of it, oh, people remember me, I made, I made that big thing in the middle of nowhere, you know, made it into a great big cultural district. There's no point to have it. I don't understand the concept yeah. of a cultural district. I do understand the concept of putting money into the arts and culture, but I would like it you know, what's wrong with having more money spent in Tun Mun? What's wrong with having more money spent in, you know, renovating the Sha Tin Town Hall, which is sort of OK Can Do concert hall? You know, what's Sounds wrong with great. all of that? All of those government concert halls sound excellent yeah. inside. They may yeah. look a bit ramshackle. No, what I'm saying is, but you, you could just spend a little money rather than vast sums of money making them into something much nicer. Yeah, yeah. And then in each locality, you would have a first-class venue at a fraction of the price of this monster that's being built in, in reclaimed land in West Kowloon. Let's connect this to the mega picture. You know, often in the past I've said to you, their to-do list is very big. Well, yeah. this is another thing on the to-do list. We've got now, you know, the new station, we've got bridges, we've got this immense to-do list. And doesn't logic tell you that completing any of them is going to be difficult? Because there's so many of them. Well, there's that. I mean, there, there's the sheer logistics of it. I mean, having enough um, construction labour, as they keep telling us, is is very difficult um completing these things on schedule well none of them of course have been completed on schedule even anything vaguely close to the schedule mm. there is too much you're quite right i mean not to mention all the big mtr extensions that are going on at the same time so you know there's this there's nothing wrong with having an ambitious infrastructure program. Mm -hmm. There is something terribly wrong, particularly in the cultural sphere, of saying all culture is going to take place in West Kowloon with bits elsewhere. I don't like that. No, it's not. Don't see happen. the it's point. Just, it's just not. I think it won't end up as something very special. I really don't. And I'm sorry about that oh. because you know I like going to to the odd concert. Me. I, quite like you know pottering around an art gallery if it's got anything interesting in it you can imagine a great big circle here well it's not quite what we've so we're just gonna have to do a park oh great. <laughs> or, or or you know or, or we'll do it at, you know because one of the things that carrie lamb keeps saying is i'm not going to put another penny into this mm -hmm. well good luck with that but it, it will mean that that because of the cost overruns and because of all the cock-ups that They'll just have to reduce the scale of its ambition. It's Which, in some people's opinion, wouldn't be a bad thing. Wouldn't be a bad thing. But I'd like to think that if you were going to spend all that money, and we're talking about billions of dollars, it could have actually been spent intelligently. Setting up this district is not an intelligent use of resources. Never was to begin with. And now we see the outcome. It sure as hell ain't. Uh, so we'll see how that works. Not well, I imagine. Uh, words like district and hub, they do go against yeah. the grain, though. They really do. <laughs> I know. I know. I mean, it's... And, and you know, what, what's this, this thing? You have such a thing in Hong Kong as organic development. So you've got, for example, in... Um, organic? In Fortan, where you, you've just got people who have set up artist studios and this sort of stuff. The government's going. We didn't. We didn't. We didn't initiate that. I mean, why? Why are they there? What are they doing? They're using industrial space for unauthorized purposes. No, no, no. Move I don't along, think any. Yes. 
you know, but you've actually got this stuff happening. It's not as though there is no creativity in Hong Kong. People went there because the premises were cheap, because it was industrial premises, there was quite a lot of space. It's the right vibe. And yeah, you know. And, 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 and all that stuff. There's right? all that yeah. stuff going, exactly. And, you know, but they're going, oh, I don't know, you know, we haven't authorised this. Leisure and Cultural Services Department haven't got people with clipboards running around. Oh, I don't think any of that's... <laughs> and n- not only will they not support these sorts of things, they're actually actively trying to close them down, mm. which is dismal. It really is dismal. So is it going to be like Sea Ranch <coughs> with a stage? <laughs> I mean... But we'll see. <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> All right, Steve, nice one. We'll do it again next week at the same time. Take care.